970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. Good morning. Good morning and happy Saturday. I'm Dottie Herman and you're listening to Iron Real Estate. Um, we are the only show on talk radio and we've been on it for at least 10 years that is all about real estate and the millions of things that have to do with real estate, which is just about everything. Hope you enjoyed your 4th of July weekend, although it was a bit rainy. Um, however, I think 4th of July week eked out at least we got some sun and you know what everyone was so happy that COVID is finally kind of on its way out that I think people uh, just partied in the rain they didn't care they were just glad to be out um I want to say hi and good morning to senior vice president of Citizens Bank Ace One Superb uh obviously Ace you've been up all night with mortgages they're not stopping it's the busiest time in how many years? God. Oh, oh, Dottie, I've been up all night. It's 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 been a crazy, crazy market, but in in a good way, Dottie. Right? So it's uh, it's one of those things where I think it's probably once in every fifty years that we're seeing rates below three percent. Right. And I think I I think our listeners really really need to to listen to our advice when when we tell them just inquire, right? Because it's it's probably never the perfect time to, to go into real estate, but right now with such low rates, if you're looking to leverage finance, this is the best time, Dottie. So just want to reiterate that for all of right. us. And you know what? You know, when, when mortgage rates are low for a long time, people get complacent. They get complacent. Gonna... Yeah. They take it for yeah. granted, Dottie, you know? And they take it for granted. They get used to it and they don't realize, but they are going to go up. Okay. It's just a matter of when. So not to buy a house because of the interest rates are low, but if you're thinking, as I said, of looking for a property or buying the next couple of years, next year or two, I would advise you to get moving. Um, I also must tell you that Citizens Bank has the name, and thank you, Citizens Bank, for sponsoring us. Um, they have the name Citizens Bank because that's why the bank was founded, to help citizens, regular people like you and me, not just big corporations, and uh, last year, Citizens was the third largest lender in the Northeast. So you can find out any information at citizensbank.com, or you can call them 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whatever is good for you, at 1-800-922-99999. And, and Dottie, I, I just wanted to let our listeners know, we just acquired HSBC. So oh, we, wow. will, we will be in 67 branches in New York. Um, come j- January 1st, 2022. So incredible, incredible. Congratulations to you and to Citizens Bank. Um, and we also want to always say thank you for supporting our show. Um, it means the world to us. Also, of course, is our attorney, um, Steve Ebert, who specializes in real estate law, both residential and commercial, at, and is a partner at Cassin and Cassin LLP. 
Uh, if you have any legal questions or any dilemmas about real estate, please give Stephen a call at 866-970-9622. Good morning, okay. Daddy. Good morning, Good morning, morning Stephen. And there, Thanks there's, for being with us. Oh, my, my pleasure. And there's definitely a lot going on in the market, a lot going in the law. And, you know, double congratulations, Ace, on a great year in the HSBC uh, growth. That's great news. Definitely. And your growth, his promotions. I mean, I've watched this guy and I've watched him from starting to just keep on rising. But I, I have to say, I knew he was the winner the minute I met him. <laughs> Anyhow, and someday we'll tell the story of how we met. Um, but thanks for joining us. And uh, we have a great show for you today. Okay, we're going to talk a little about the recovery of Manhattan because Manhattan's really had a comeback. Everything's open now. We're going to talk a little about that. Uh, Up-to-date look at their comeback. And also, we're going to talk a little about what happened in Florida. We all really send our, our condolences and our hearts are with everyone that has lost somebody. Um, but that brings up a question about buildings that a lot of people, uh, a lot of listeners have written to us and asked about buildings and how do they know, what do they do if they see something. So we're going to cover that today. And then joining us at 11 o'clock after the news, uh, we have Mary Galvin and she practices uh, at Cassidy's Trust and Estates Groups. And she's going to provide uh, information about lifetime wealth, how do you transfer wealth, planning, estate planning, uh, wills, healthcare proxies, uh, all of those kind of things that, you know what, we all get very busy in my day, in our days, and I am one of the same people that are culprit and sometimes never really take the time to do what we need to do for ourselves or our families. And this is one of them. And I have to tell you, you know, everyone thinks, oh my God, well, I don't need to do that because I'm not a billionaire. You don't have to be a millionaire. Okay. You have to plan. Estate planning is, is necessary for everyone to do. It has not, you know, obviously millionaires usually know to do it. It's people that think, oh, gee, I don't have enough money to do it. So we're going to be looking forward to hearing her. So, you know, we, um, we want to first, before I do anything, I want to give you the contract sign reports. Now, we usually give you Jonathan Miller's um, market reports. I'm going to give you today contract signs and the difference between the market reports that Jonathan does and the contract sign reports is when a house closes, when a property closes, so someone has to first purchase it, sign a contract, they have to wait a couple of months for it to close. And then they have to probably wait two or three months before it can get reported. So the lag time is about five to six months. So you're getting prices that are like five or six months old. Contracts, because Element has offices all over, uh, contracts are the day that somebody signs the contract. Okay, we count it. So contracts are really very current. So we're going to give you the most current, current, this is like happening right now, um, contract reports for the tri-state, um, new contracts for all three property types in Manhattan surged from the prior year for the seventh consecutive month. 
and there was a significant year-over-year -year rise reflected in the last month of the lockdown. So we have significantly, okay, surged from last year. New signed contracts that are currently brand new for both property types were well above levels seen in the same period as 2019. Now the pandemic was 2020, if I'm not mistaken, I'm about to lose it. Uh, yeah, so we are seeing higher levels than before the pandemic. New inventory for condos and co-ops slipped annually. Um, so it slipped a little while one to three families surged. Now, obviously that's probably due to COVID when people decided they want to have space and uh, they didn't want to live, you know, they wanted to be in single family houses. In Brooklyn, same thing, new signed contracts for all three property types combined and jumped from the prior year for each month since June of the year ago. And the prices nearly doubled from 2019 to now. New inventory is about the same. On Long Island, year-over-year -year gains of new signed contracts and condos continue to overpower growth for single families in each of the past four months. New signed contracts for single families were above the same period in 2019, so they all grew. Uh, while condo growth was slower than the rate in 2019. And that would really make sense because again, with COVID people look to buy single family homes. We'll see what happens after COVID subsides, uh, but the trend was single family homes. New listings on Long Island for both property types combined decline year over year for the first time since February. So there's not a lot of new inventory in Long Island and that makes it a, a tough market and definitely a seller's market. In the Hamptons, actually new signed contracts de declined for the first time since June 19, 2020. Now, let me just tell you about the Hamptons since that's usually a seasonal market. Um, most people, if they're buying, want to be in for the summer. So usually people who buy will buy in the spring. It's very busy in the spring. This way they can close by the summer. It takes about three months to close. If they don't buy in the summer, uh, if they don't find it in the summer, they usually wait till September. Actually, for the Hamptons, the busiest season for sales is, the, is probably September when people move out of their rentals and then people look to buy. While people are in their rentals, it's much harder to show. Westchester, again, all the same. Single families grew. New listings for both property types to wine grows year over year for the fifth time in six months. So as you can see, um, you know, I'm gonna sound like a, rep, a broken record. Every place really has gone up. The same thing with Connecticut. Fairfield, the same thing. Greenwich new sign contracts continued to surge year over year since at least last July. And there's not a lot of new inventory, so it can't, it's not able to keep up with all the buyers. So what happens again, it becomes a seller's market. There's more buyers than there are houses available. So if somebody asks you, do you think that'll remain? 
I think it's going to, I mean, I think it'll remain a hot market. I think it'll start to kind of wind down a little bit, like kind of level off. That's just my guess. Talking about the recovery, the economic recovery is here and it's unlike anything we've ever seen. Households, because of COVID, saved cash and banks gathered capital, but supply shortages are popping up and some employees can't find workers. And that's really what's happening. If you've ever tried to order anything, there it's hard. It's hard to get work done. It's, everything's on back order. Um, because there's such a demand for everything now. So it, it takes a while to get anything. The US ec economic recovery is unlike anything in recent history, powered by consumers with trillions in extra savings and businesses eager to hire and enormous policy support. So again, and you probably read the news, it's hard to get workers now. And I think we'll see what happens when all this economic stimulus is over. Um, but it's been tough to get workers and it's been tough to get workers to come in every day. Businesses and workers are poised to emerge from the downturn with far less permanent damage than occurred there. If you go back to the pandemic, I don't even know what I thought was going to happen. At first, I didn't think it was going to last. I said, ah, it'll be all over in two or three weeks. But obviously, I was totally wrong. And we didn't know if it would be the end of real estate. What, well, people, you know, people weren't able to spend their money. I mean, there was no place to go. You couldn't really eat out. Um, you could take out food. That was about it. Um, you didn't buy clothes because there was nowhere to go. So people just bought like, you know, jogging suits and things that were comfortable. So now, you know, but everyone expected a lot of damage and they didn't expect it to turn around so quickly. And it, it, it has. New businesses are popping up at the fastest pace on record. Uh, every day I get calls about people that are opening new businesses. The rate at which workers quit their jobs um, is a proxy for confidence in the labor market matches the highest going time. So we're, we're busy. And so there are jobs, there's tons of jobs out there. Okay. And if you are not qualified to do any of them, then I suppose you can take a million courses on Zoom and things of that and learn. New York. Um, I was pleased to have uh, be part of, was at a ceremony at One World Trade Center last week, and New York has welcomed the lifting of nearly all remaining COVID-related restrictions in the state. And as I always tell you, I believe that New York and maybe California really got hit the hardest, or very hard. The entire evening was like a victory of declaration after a long war. The city is indeed battle-scarred, but the wounds are healing quickly, a lot quicker than anybody thought. The state has now vaccinated over 70% of its adult population. Traffic. Huh. When I used to go into the city last year, and I'm sure Stephen Ace could tell you the same, it was like ghost town. There was no traffic. There was no cars. Okay. Um, and I was like, oh, wow. It's kind of eerie. But in a way, you could get back and forth in five minutes. Uh, traffic is close to its back. It's close to pre-pandemic levels. Restaurants are crowded. Flights are packed. Yankee Stadium is back to full capacity. So these, I say, 
It, it, you know, I always said, don't ever bet against New York, you're going to lose. And I was right. Cities were, this cities were predicted to be a major casualties of the pandemic, but everywhere you look, whether it's attendance at office buildings or the migration of people from urban centers, what could have been great, what could have been a huge reset, looks like business as usual. And if you knew, if you walk the streets of New York, I don't think you would think anything's happened. I mean, if you think it's usual, like business as always. So we're very pleased. Um, it's that New York is not only back, it's surging to pre-COVID levels. So, you know, it's, it, it's not since 2015, a time of the major boom, has there been a three, period of so much activity. I mean, Ace tells you he's crazy. Busy. Dottie. He's busy. Uh, right? I, I can tell you for someone that never left New York City, was here last year, all year. Um, you know, when you say ghost town, and when I tell you, you could have went anywhere in New York City, parked anywhere, and now you look at the recovery, people were saying that New York would not bounce back from the pandemic, and it would take about five years. Well, guess what? Yes. They were wrong. It's, it's, the rush hour traffic is probably worse than ever, worse than before pre-pandemic times, and you know what, it, it's, you know, it, a part of me says, oh, I hate the traffic, but a part of me loves to see New York City back again. And what better way to lead the recovery than real estate, right, Dottie? So it's, it's been an amazing, amazing uh, time for, for a lot of folks, just, just like what you said, resetting, understanding what's important to them, what, what key values are there. And, and I think we all needed that as, as human beings, right? Just like a reset button just to really figure out what's important. And now I think the new normal, it's, it's going to be very interesting how, how we recover and it's been faster than ever. So I'm pleased to see what, what, New York, what New York City has done for sure. Well, even I thought, you know, even I thought it would take a little bit longer than it did. I always said never bet against it because I watched 9-11 yeah. and I watched, we all watched 9-11 and we watched how people said, oh, no one will ever live downtown. And for sure, nobody will ever live in a high floor. Well, P.S. Downtown is been was they rebuilt downtown like never before. And the higher the floor, the more money you pay. So they were wrong. So I say, don't bet against New York. And it's really nice to see how quickly that comes back. Doesn't mean we don't have some battle scars, and it doesn't mean that everything's a hundred percent yet but it's really getting close. Um, and for all the, you know, the people that did lose businesses and there was casualties from 9-11 in every way, you now see people, younger people, having an opportunity to open businesses and start over again or start in a place that they couldn't afford. And you also saw people buying in the city and renting in the city when they were a locked out price block. So that's a good thing. It's kind of like a reset. Um, as Jonathan said, Miller, we thought it was going to be a hellscape with nine people left in Manhattan. Boy, were they wrong. So we're going to be right back and we're going to continue talking about the recovery of the city. And the luxury bar. 
Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it'd be too difficult or take too much time? Then try Babbel. In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel teaches you conversations that you will actually use. With 14 languages and lesson topics like travel, business, relationships, and more, you'll learn what matters most to you. Babbel. Language for life. Learn a new language with ease. Go to babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Are you tired of exposing your retirement to stock market risk? How would you like to participate in stock market gains but never stock market losses? Join us for the Safe Money Radio Show Saturday afternoon at 3. You can also call now for your complimentary customized Safe Money Information Kit and 115-page Safe Money Book at 844-751-SAFE. That's 844-751-SAFE. 844-751-7233. The Safe Money Radio Show Sunday afternoon at 3 on AM 970. The answer. I read the reviews and it gives me hope. SotoWeightLoss.com. You should go read the reviews there. They put all the Google reviews there, so it's candid. I mean, you get a real-world response. Listen to Howard. Howard is the man. Howard said, in 22 weeks, I've let go of 80 pounds of unwanted fat weight. What is 80 pounds? I don't even know. 80 pounds is a it's like a sixth grader, bro. I bet your knees and your back feel awesome. Congratulations, Howard. Howard did this. Karen did this. I'm, I'm reading all the reviews right now. Vicky did this. Michael, Michelle, Lisa, 4.8 stars, 4,600 reviews. Read them for yourself at SotaWeightLoss.com. S-O-T-A WeightLoss.com is state of the art. I'll give you the secret. A lot of people won't give you the secret. Here's the secret. Eat nutritious food that soda will help you with. Time it just right. Watch the fat melt off. Never to return again. I was 256, got down to 193. That was like four years ago. I'm living proof. I'm John Hudson in Dallas, Texas. If I can do it, you can do it. Go to Soda Weight Loss. It works. SodaWeightLoss.com. S-O-T-A WeightLoss.com. It's state of the art. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. Adapting to the changes hasn't been easy, but never more important to succeed. Many of the digital resources available have helped overcome obstacles your business is facing. But are you using the full potential of every one of them? That's where Salem Surround can help. Your business needs to use digital tools more than ever to stay in touch with customers, making buying decisions right now and for the future. Will they consider or even know about you? The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We'll design a plan that targets and surrounds customers with proven marketing strategies. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Hey, it's Joe Piscopo telling you about Connors & Sullivan. You need a will, you need a trust, you need power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, or estate plan. Are you and your family protected? If you're not around to make the decisions, who will? But you know what? You got to go to connorsandsullivan.com, or you can call Mike Connors at 718-238-6500, or... 
you can attend a Connors and Sullivan free seminar and have all your questions answered by Mr. Connors himself. Tuesday, July 27th at Buckley's Avenue S in Marine Park, Brooklyn, 11 a.m., 3 p.m., 7 p.m. Wednesday, July 28th, Connolly's in Maspeth, 11 a.m., 3 p.m., 7 p.m. Thursday, July 29th at the Bay Ridge Manor. That's 11, 3, and 7 p.m. Friday, July 30th at the Adria Hotel in Bayside, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Mike Connors always says the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Please call 718-238-6500, attend these seminars, or go to connorsandsullivan.com. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Back to listening to Iron Real Estate. I'm here with Ace Plus Sue Park and Stephen Ebert. We're talking about the comeback of Manhattan. And of course, it's come back. And now we're just talking about the upper tier of Manhattan, the luxury market. And deals are happening in the top 10% of the real estate market. And they have shot up more than 150% in the second quarter. Um, as well as residents make their return. And I, I think I've told you this, you know, in January of last year, I think we were on lockdown, but everyone was like, oh, I'm going to go to Florida. I'm not going to stay in New York. Well, um, most of them after a month or two said, you know what? New York's open again and I miss New York. Manhattan's well-to-do home buyer is a segment of the population that obviously was absent during the height of the corona pandemic. They usually went because that they had money to go to a second home or go to Florida or go to someplace that was had less problems and was open. But they have made their grand return and um, they're back in New York. Deals are being made on the borough of priciest home surge in the second quarter. Um, and Manhattan's apartment closing surge returning to pre-same prices as before the pandemic. On Billionaire's Row, there were four resale closings with an average of, listen to this, now Billionaire's Row is Central Park South, or right Central Park by the park. Billionaire's Row, there were four resale closings with an average price of $53 million. At the notorious 220 Central Park South, they had, there was three or four, right, just right in that building. Um, as they said, we've always said, New York is the comeback queen. She bounced back from 9-11, the Lehman crash, and she's doing it again in the wake of COVID. And, uh, hot, and this is thanks to everyone getting vaccinated. And I will tell you, as far as New Yorkers, they were pretty strict. I mean, I've been into other states where they were a little bit loose. People are still walking around with masks in New York sometimes. So they were pretty, you know, it hit them hard, but they were careful. If you, if you lived in New York, you couldn't even have your mother to visit you. It was so strict, but it paid off. And that's, want to say thanks to all the New Yorkers who really helped get us back uh, a lot quicker than we thought. Now, townhouses, which make really a very small percentage of New York City, uh, maybe two, three percent, Townhouses really were in a slump, but from the pandemic, they picked up because people wanted their own private houses. So 
There were five townhouse contracts for homes priced at $4 million or more in the first week of June, just the first week of June alone. Now, if you don't know New York, you wouldn't know, but that's a lot to have four townhouses closed um, in, in the first week. Year to date is a total of 95 townhouse deals, and that's the highest volume since January on townhouses of, of June, uh, actually from June of 2015. So townhouses really took off. Um, and again, they're great deals. We are seeing a big, and I've been telling you this every week, an influx of millennial buyers and, and also buyers from the West Coast. And I, I think, and I think Ace and, and Steve, you, you've also said you're in New York all the time. We're seeing younger buyers come back, you know, actually come to the city and uh, millennials and buyers from the West Coast. And they, they haven't given up on big cities. They want to be in big cities. They want to be where there's a lot of action. Uh, Ace, what's your experience? You see all the kids and everything downtown, everything just like it was? Oh, Dottie, I mean, wasn't it just like three, four years ago where they were saying that millennials were not buying real estate? Remember yes. all, all of those articles? And now millennials make up 75% of the first home-time buyers and I can tell you this summer alone, there's an influx of, of young professionals coming to New York City, experiencing the big city life. And right now, you know, on the mortgage side, I can tell you a lot of our first home time buyers are all millennials. And I, I think that's the reason why so many companies and so many banks have really gone to the digital age world, right? In terms of just speaking to their audience. And I think everything is you know, right within a reach of your phone. And, well, and, and, and I think the business is definitely changed. Yeah. Yeah. Can you like elaborate on that? I mean, first of all, we're talking, so as you're talking about mortgages, first of all, yeah. what are the rates now? Oh my goodness, Dottie. It's 2.875% still on a 30-year fix. Wow. I mean, it's it's almost, I mean, we say this all the time, free money, right? It's 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 times where you need to leverage if you have a home, leverage the equity because there's been amazing, amazing appreciation values within the last couple of years. And people are, are smart. They're tapping into the equity. They're taking out these refinance cash out uh, programs and utilizing their money, making their money work for them. Right. That's really the key here. I have a question for you, Ace. Yeah. I've been reading in the mortgage news. It says that most homeowners have not refinanced despite cheap mortgage rates. Um, and it says that the perception of the homeowners have been tripping over themselves to save money by refinancing is that they found fewer than a quarter of eligible homeowners refinance their homes. You know, I'm um, not sure. I'm not sure who wrote that uh, article, Dottie. I'm not sure. Up. So, so again, I can tell you from, from the industry in regards to what we're seeing, refinances are taking four to six months to, to get done. And, and you want to know why, Daddy? There's why? been an so influx. Many? So many folks are refinancing. Some, some institutions are taking eight months to close a refinance. That's how much volume we're seeing in today's marketplace. So, so what would your advice be? Now, what would you like? Somebody has not done it yet. Okay. What should they do at, immediately? If someone hasn't refinanced their mortgage yet, I would, I would first, number one, speak with a loan officer, see what your options are 
And there's so many different objectives of getting a refinance, right? Number one, and you know, if you're a listener, maybe write this down. You don't necessarily always have to have a lower rate. It could be that you have some debt, some liabilities that you want to pay off and you're paying 16% rates, 13% rates, and you want to leverage financing, then you can actually go ahead and refinance for 3% and save off of the difference between the 16 and the 3%. That's one. Number two, your loan may be maturing. Maybe, maybe you, you took, and took advantage of a 7-1 arm interest only, meaning it's fixed for the first seven years and it's amortized for the 30 years and it's expiring, then you should really look into refinancing your mortgage to lock into a longer term. And the third, third bullet point would be if you're looking to lower your rates or lower your term, this may be a great time. So for example, if you, let's say you took out a 30-year fixed rate, you have, let's say, four years into the loan. So you, you did it four years ago. You have about 26 years left. You may want to look into getting a mortgage on a 20-year term with a lower rate and probably lowering your payments. So you're saving six years off of your term. So I, I, know, I, I know I threw a lot out there for, for our listeners, but if, you, but if you really think about it, there's like three different variables that you can take advantage on a refinance. Right. Now, I have a question for you. Um, somebody has asked this, actually, one of our listeners. When it comes to refinancing, would it be good to take some of the equity and purchase a rental property? Now, I know that's a hard question to answer because it would depend on your circumstances. But basically, I guess in a roundabout way, what they're asking is, can you refinance and use some of the money to buy some kind of investment? I'm I'm not suggesting you gamble in Vegas, but... uh, Dottie, right now, the market is a two-for-one special. If you have a home and you have equity, definitely look into tapping into your equity, taking out some cash out, and utilizing that as a down payment for an investment property. And I can tell you, Dottie, tons of folks are doing that right now, right? And again, just like what you said, you have to be careful. Make sure that you sit down with a loan officer and make sure that you, you can qualify and that the monthly payments on both properties you'll be able to handle. But if you do, if you work out the numbers and it works out, it's an amazing tool and it's a two for one special, Dottie. Uh, I always call it two for one special for, for all of our clients. So. And again, I really want to emphasize this. You check with your accountant or talk to a mortgage consultant like Ace. But remember something. When you build up equity in your home, you're sitting on your money. Correct. It's not going to make you any money sitting on it. Okay, so I'm not saying gamble at all, but think about it. It's dead money. It's not working for you. The house is going to go up or down regardless of whether you end up with. You should pull out so much, but you should really think about if you have a lot of equity and there's an opportunity that you can take advantage. Um, I don't think people look at it that way. Okay, it's like dead money. It's like it's so. It's a good thing. Maybe you have to college or other things. Uh, we'll be right back and we're going to talk about Florida. Dear Cancer, if you think you're going to put my life on hold, think again. I did my homework and I found a cancer treatment option that requires no surgery, minimal downtime, and virtually no side effects. It's called Proton Therapy at Procure Proton Therapy Center. 
Proton therapy targets cancer tumors more precisely than traditional radiation therapy with less radiation to nearby healthy tissues. And thanks to Procure, I don't have to travel far for treatment. Located in Somerset, Procure is New Jersey's most experienced proton therapy center, offering the most advanced form of radiation with the most precise technology. That's right, cancer. I still have the choice and energy to go on that hike with friends or spend a Saturday afternoon with my grandkids. I chose proton therapy at Procure, and now my hope has been restored. I'm living my best life. If you've been diagnosed with cancer, visit Procure.com or call 855-3-PROTON today. Hi, folks. Dennis Prager here. Can thieves really steal your home's title? Take it from this thief who stole over 150 homes and was sentenced to 25 years in prison. That is why you need home title lock. Nobody thinks that I can take their house and borrow against the house. Oh, no, I have title insurance for that. No, it's, it's in my name, or he would have to get some special document. They would call me. You know, nobody's calling you. After I've stolen the title, borrowed against it, or sold the property, or done whatever I've done with it, it's 60 to 90 days to even figure out that, that they're the victim of this crime. You know, by that point, you start getting foreclosure notices, and you realize you've got four mortgages on your house. Not only that, you don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name. Heard enough? Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and enter radio for 30 free days of protection. That's promo code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only $19.95 to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Has your relationship taken a turn? Is it time to call it quits? Do complex matters such as custody, alimony, child support, prenups, and financial matters make your head spin? Then tune in every Sunday evening at 5 for Should I Stay or Should I Go? with attorney Tanya Helfand from Helfand & Associates. With over 25 years of experience, Tanya will guide you through the confusing world of family law so that everyone can make the right decision. It's Should I Stay or Should I Go? Sunday evenings at 5 on AM 970, The Answer. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. You're listening to I on Real Estate. And again, I uh, really, uh, everyone here on I on Real Estate sends our our condolences and our prayers with all the families that lost people uh, in that horrible collapse in Florida. Uh, 
And that's not something that happens too often, but it's raised a lot of concern um, because it's, it's not just condominium buildings that are showing their age as was part of the case in this deadly collapse in Southside, Florida. Uh, but now the condominium form of ownership itself is under strain. Um, there's over 73.9 million Americans who live in condos or co-ops or homeowners associations. And um, I have gotten so many questions and people asking, okay, what do I do? Um, people have just wrote, oh, someone just wrote in, what, are there codes in New York? Are, are, are the building codes the same as Florida? Um, I thought maybe Steve, you know, you could talk a little about the difference of the codes that New York has different building codes. Yeah, absolutely, Dottie. First off, again, I should have said my condolences. I mean, it was an epic uh, tragedy that happened in Surfside in Florida. Um, there are a couple of major differences, I would say, in New York City and then in New York more broadly than we see in Florida. The first, I would say, is that New York City has, for better or worse, the most complicated building code of any municipality or really any government area in the world. Um, there are a tremendous number of oversight, a tremendous number of agencies. And while that at times when you're building and doing things, you may want to pull your hair out with bureaucracy, it also leads to a lot of extra checks and balances for safety. Um, now, I don't want to point out that Florida doesn't have, in fact, it's coming out in the news that there have been questions on inspections and correspondence and concerns. Um, and that leads to the next point, uh, really geology. New York is blessed having great geology for high-rise buildings. Um, New York has the strong bedrock, which is very different than a high water table, um, which causes much more damage and corrosion. And if you look at pictures of the Surfside tragedy, you're going to see water erosion on the concrete and the rebar um, that's been there for a number of years. You, you don't quite have the same uh, issues that you have in New York. The other thing, and there's, and there's some wonderful stories about how New York builds, and there's a great story about the Empire State Building, one of the reasons why they picked that location. In fact, a little historical note, the Empire State Building is built on the original side of the Waldorf Astoria based on that geology that I talked about in construction methods. So we have definitely some differences there. The other thing is um, we have a variety of local laws. Um, may have you, some people may have heard of that, Local Law 11, um, which is the traditional name out there. And one of the reasons that people see a lot of scaffolding around high rises in New York City at various times is there's a variety of rules to check both foundational infrastructure systems, but also the outside facade of the building to make sure that they're in order. And what a very nice thing that the law provides for is that the firms that do the inspections and do those reports are not the firms that do the remediation work. So there's no financial incentive to reduce or expand. It, it, it really incentivizes private firms accurately for accuracy there and seeing how uh, the buildings are maintained. So I would always be have some level of concern to make sure people are doing their job, but I would say that the level of checks and balances, the laws, the systems that are in place are, I would say, very, very strong. Let me, um, I just want our listeners to understand a couple of things. So number one, 
only nine or 10 states require condos to conduct regular studies of reverse advocacy. So, but when you talk, you, we've had callers and those of you who are listening to our show, whether you're streaming or listening, you've called and say, you know, gee, the maintenance, the, the monthly fees for, are, are too high. They're, uh, the, and we always tell you when you're buying a condo or a co-op to look at the financial reserve, like how much money they have in reserve. So some people are questioning, gee, would, would, would builders or developers make the reserve less than it should be so that they, because if the reserve is high, then the price for the people go up higher. And what? people don't want that. So it's kind of a catch-22. They're trying to make people happy and not raise them too high. But it, it might be hurt. But it, but it's, you know, in, in some ways, I think it could be hurting us. Yeah, you know, Dottie, it's, it's a great point. I mean, look, the reality is this. There are a lot of professions that deal with safety in, in different ways, right? You have the construction trades. You have insurance companies. You have lawyers, right? Part of my job, one way to look at it is making sure that I write a contract that gives safety and comfort for my clients. And so what happens is, and you, and you can go through a number of professions, right? You know, when, when you go to see a doctor, you do an annual physical. Well, buildings need their annual or semi-annual or whatever the appropriate time period physical too. They need to be checked out. You don't wait until you go to the hospital to be checked out. The same thing with buildings. Now I do wanna point out, Florida does have some rules um, regarding inspecting buildings as well. And that's why there is some data about what happened in Surfside. And so we want to be careful, but you want to have the appropriate level, um, you know, that's needed. And look, I want also people to know construction standards are very different across the country, right? In New York, we're concerned about winter storms um, that may affect roof lines and, and, and how materials interact. They're not worried about that so much in Florida. But in California, they're going to worry about earthquaking building. So I also want people to know real estate is one of the most local things that you can be involved with. And you want, need to make sure that the standards are appropriate for that community too. So don't, again, automatically say, oh my goodness, they're doing this in LA or they're doing that in Miami or they're doing that in New York. Automatically, we should do that where we are. Right. It's about being appropriate. But um, I don't want product. to intimate that every building that's a condo in Florida or is bad because that's certainly not true. Um, so what yeah, should and, and, and that's do? Because Surfside had definitely code violations. The general contracts are, I don't want to, you know, I could be here an hour telling you all the things that went wrong, how they changed hands. How, but so a lot of people in Florida are very concerned. And I don't think that it's, I don't want to infer or by any sense that every condo is bad or that Florida has bad building codes or anything of, of a sort. But what can people do to find out if the building they're in, whether it's in Florida, whether it's in Miami, New York, whether it's in California, um, how would they go about finding out? I mean, when they're buying a condo, they, would they just go to the Sure, sure, there, there's, there's a number of things. And I also want to echo your point. You know, we don't want to have the exception prove the rule. You know, this was a huge tragedy. This was something that made national, even global news. But one of the reasons it made such big news is 
when was the last time you heard of this happening in a building? Thanks. Very rare. It's very rare. So I also want people to put some context. You're absolutely right, Dottie. And also, one, here's one. Here's a few things to keep in mind. Number one, when you're buying into a property, find out how old the property is. This building was, if, I, if I'm correct, if I recall correctly, I believe it's around 40 years old. Mm -hmm. Well, the building standards in 1980 are different than 2000 and in 2020. So keep in mind, the, when the building was built, there were certain things, materials have changed, construction standards and approaches have changed. So that's one very important thing. Find out when the property was built, right? If you, if you look at Florida, you know, for people who bought there, if you buy certain properties, you have to worry and they have a rider if you have Chinese drywall. Well, that was a certain era of construction that didn't exist. That issue did not exist when they built this condo and is not really an issue now. But if you bought 10 years ago or so, or, or you know, there are certain eras of time where that is a huge issue. Right. Mold and moisture. So definitely know the ear of your building. Number two, competency. Do not hire the lowest bid manufacturer or management company, right? If you are on your board of your HOA and you're interviewing a couple of different property managers, don't assume that it's a commodity business. And that is one of the biggest errors that I see. There's a viewpoint of let's keep the cost down because they're all doing the same thing. They're just collecting money and sending out some notices. I see huge differences of the diligence, how often there are site visits and reports and ask the tough questions. And it's very tough on those condo boards because they are people who are volunteering their time out of their busy schedule to help out their building. So, um, you know, for those of you who are homeowners, and I know sometimes, you know, you may have issues with boards and no board is perfect, but realize that the vast majority of board members, they're giving up their free time to help out the community um, and, and, you know, giving them the slack to really work with top tier management companies is absolutely critical. But, right, but your point, and I think maybe on our next show, we'll talk about it. We won't have time today. But I really want for all, because maybe there has to be stricter um, qualifications for people who go on the board. Because, you know, I'm not sure that all of them are qualified to even know. And second of all, there tends to be a push, which is human nature, that people don't want to spend money. So they want to, you know, the board has to kind of have a balance where they spend money, but they don't spend too much money. And I know a couple of boards that I know right now are fighting over people who say, okay, we want these repairs done. Other people say, no, we don't. Um, so I think that this is also a lesson. As Steve said, it does not happen often. You never hear about something like this. But I think it's a good check for everyone to realize when you're arguing and you're sitting at your board meeting and you're arguing over expenses, obviously you don't want them to be frivolous. But a absolutely, you know, Dottie, there's a saying, there's an expression out there in a democracy, you get the leaders that the people deserve and for, for, for good or for <laughs> ill. <laughs> and and, and in, the in the case of HOAs, it's, it's majority rules. It's however the votes come in. It has nothing to do with qualifications or seriousness or not. So you know what? I, I know we're all busy and we have a lot going on in our lives, but your home is one of your biggest investments that you can make in your life. 
you know, take the few extra minutes, read those members, get to know at least one of, you don't know all of them, at least know one or two of the members of the board of your HOA and, and be a little bit involved. Even if you can't get super involved, just make sure things are happening in a serious way and, and, give, and give them the space to explain, here's why we're paying. Because, you know, and the other thing which is very tough, I want to point out one last thing, if you're on an HOA board, and I was on a board for a number of years, years ago, and is you have two types of owners. You have people who are very vested, people who may live there as opposed to an absentee owner, people who are there for the long term versus someone who might be there for a short period of time. So the interests of all the owners don't always necessarily align. And that's a tough balance. And, and when you're looking at buying into a community, you need to find out. Or do people live there? Is it maybe a vacation home? Is it maybe full of investors? What's the vibe of the building? And that's as important as some of the other due diligence to make sure it really aligns with your perspective on your living situation there and your investment. Well, if I have any words of advice to you, I know a lot of uh, people that uh, some might don't go to board meetings. You know, they kind of let it go and whatever. They might complain about something, but they don't actually go. I would definitely say you don't have to go to everything, but go to some, have a voice. And when you're electing people for the board, because again, there is no, people don't have that many qualifications. Remember, these people are making decisions about the building that you live in. And I think more people need to be involved. And I know there's, you know, being around the building so often, I know there's always arguments over spending money. You know, there's a group that, well, doesn't want to spend it. And again, I, nobody should spend money that's unnecessary. Nobody wants to do that. But remember, if it's something really important, especially if it's building safety, think twice, okay? Because, you know, it's better that you spend the money and have a safe building. And I think that, I don't think this is going to be a, a, a happen, thank God, again. But I think it's going to just puff people up to be a little bit more aware and get a little more involved, okay, um, and not resist because it's a, a balance. You know, a developer has to say, well, if I make these, if I make the reserves, and when, when you buy a a, a, a bill, you buy an apartment in a building, there is a reserve fund for things that go wrong. And again, Steve, I mean. Is there a rule of thumb on how much that should be in a reserve? Of yeah, how much so, to build? so it depends on a couple of things. Um, first of all, you have the main institutional, you know, lending um, secondary market folks, the you know Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, that likes to see around four months of the annual uh, fees in reserve. But it's going to vary, right? It will because, vary, and I know we have a break, yeah. so we can continue it next week. Uh, because we have a special guest coming on at the 11th hour. We're going to talk to you about six. Um, this is Iron Real Estate, 866-970-9622. You won't want to miss all our talks on estates and how to plan yours. Ion Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.